Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Warning. You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hello, Parnell's platoon. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's great to have you here in the trenches today. We've got kind of a crazy show. Um, I'm going to expose and show you lots of stuff. I mean, obviously, the title of the show, as you can see if you're watching on Rumble, is Journalists and the Spies Who Love Them. You see, because our intelligence community, along, namely these alphabet agencies, the CIA included, has long had a relationship with the American media to push disinformation and misinformation on the American people while simultaneously accusing, through the media, of course, all of us as being purveyors of misinformation. And what I mean by that is people who tend to think for themselves. They think critically. They think outside of the narrative that's being pushed on them through mainstream media outlets. Um, but before we get to that, um, just a couple of housekeeping items. Um, it is my my son's teacher orientation night. That starts at 6. This show goes until 6. So as soon as this show is done, we might even end just a tad early tonight. I'm going to pop smoke from here, and I'm going to rush down to his school so I can meet his teacher and see him in his classroom and get a tour and everything. Just want to make sure that you're all tracking that, that we're not, we're not ending the show early, but... I've got to rush to this teacher orientation right after that, <laughs> you know, because as Wendy Bell always says on her show, hey, at the end of the day, I'm just a mom. Well, at, at the end of the day, I'm just a dad. And and that will always be in addition to being a, a great husband, uh, being a dad is is always the top, 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 most important job that I have. Um, but I saw something just before the show that uh, just makes me so angry. Um, January 6th sentencing happened today, uh, and a guy named Joe Biggs was sentenced to 17 years in prison, 17 years. Now the government asked for 33 years. Did Joe Biggs hurt anybody? No. Did he interrupt the certification of the election? No. 
Uh, in fact, everybody at our capital is back uh, to work in two hours after January 6th. 99.9% of the people uh, who protested at the Capitol on January 6th didn't even know that there was a mostly peaceful protest happening in and around the Capitol. Uh, many of the people who entered the Capitol that, that day, now some, uh, of course, were, were doing bad things, but, but Joe Biggs didn't hurt anybody. Um, prior to his sentencing, he said, I'm not a terrorist. I don't have hate in my heart. I don't want to hurt people. Joe Big said as he received the second longest sentence for cap for a capital rioter so far. Um, this is um, this is crazy to me because I'm going to read to you some stuff that that happened in the courtroom. Uh, this is from a guy named Adam Classfield's his Twitter account, who's apparently covering this stuff live from the courtroom. Uh, emotionally, Biggs talked about his daughter. I know that I messed up that day, but I'm not a terrorist. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that you're trying to classify this guy as a terrorist. Um, Kelly, who is Judge Kelly, who is the judge, said to Biggs, if you don't like how an election is being conducted, you can speak out about that, too. You can call or write or meet with elected officials. Um, you can also file a lawsuit. Judge Kelly said what he cannot do is what the jury found he did. What happened on January 6th did not only damage property and hurt people, though that is bad enough. Judge Kelly said that day broke our tradition of peacefully transferring power, which is one of the most precious things that we had, emphasizing his use of the past tense. He called January 6th a national disgrace. I'm sorry, but we did have a peaceful transfer of power. Congress was back at work after two hours. Now, again, rioting, mostly peaceful protests, rioting, whatever, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's never an excuse for that kind of behavior, but did his behavior was what did that warrant a 17 year prison sentence for merely shaking a fence, which the judge classified as a government facility? We have video of the actual incident. It's in slow motion. It takes a little while, but I'm going to put it up here. Have a look at this video. What you see there are cops on the Capitol steps, and then you see the protesters there with American flags. And between the protesters and the police is is a black fence. Do you see the circle? That's one of uh, one of the the protesters there. You'll see a second circle pop up near that one. The second circle is is of Joe Biggs. Now, I want you to to focus on. The, the so-called terrorism enhancement to this sentence. Now, the terrorism enhancement added probably 10 years to Joe Biggs's sentence. There's Joe Biggs right there. Does he look like he's doing serious damage? Does it look like he's putting the lives of members of Congress at risk? Now, again, like this is the actual video of what was classified as essentially a terrorism enhancement. I mean, 17 years in prison for this. 17 years for merely shaking a fence. I'm sorry. I, I, we can we can take it down. We've seen enough of this. I mean, I think everyone knows like what you're seeing right there is what the man was sentenced for. Now, January 6th, like I have to say, any sort of unified GOP resistance to this narrative that January 6th was an, was an insurrection, it was not an insurrection. Obviously, it was not an insurrection. It was a mostly peaceful protest. And an American media that's just half intent on telling the facts. And these crazy, 
and I do mean crazy, heavy-handed sentences simply do not happen. But for whatever reason, the GOP is is running from from speaking out uh, about these January 6th prisoners who have languished for two years in jail on pretrial confinement, some of whom were charged with unlawful parading. I mean, look, again, I want to reiterate, rioting is, 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 hey, it's not cool, okay? But at least have the intellectual honesty to criticize Antifa and Black Lives Matter who caused billions of damage, billions of dollars in damage in this country, and they actually killed people. In fact, the only people who were killed during January 6th were protesters, Ashley Babbitt being one of them. So uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, there were two lawyers who were throwing Molotov cocktails as part of Antifa protests in New York. They were they were, they didn't get 17 year prison sentences. These Antifa members in Seattle who created Chaz, which tried to secede from our union and beat laid siege to federal courthouses. None of those people, most of those people had their charges whole, totally dismissed. It's absolutely unbelievable to me that people aren't more upset about this because the precedent that this sets is truly it's it's earth shattering this type of stuff should not happen in america i'm not saying that there should be there should be no punishment but my god 17 years now joe biggs was an iraq war veteran who was injured in iraq this man is going to do 17 years in prison for shaking a fence that was classified as a government facility, yet not a single damn person who sent him to war on false pretenses and Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, well, they won't be punished at all. The million Iraqis dead, tens of thousands of Americans wounded, maimed, thousands of Americans dead, people's lives and families changed forever. All for a war that was based on lies. None of those people will be held accountable for that. But Joe Biggs protesting on the Capitol, shakes the fence, 17 years in prison. Look, again, third time I'm going to say this because I know there are going to be some, you know, libs that are watching this that are saying I'm, I, I'm an insurrectionist or whatever. Well, go to hell. I've seen insurrection. I was in the military. What happened on January 6th was not an insurrection at all. In fact, as more information comes out, it becomes more clear to me that there were professional agitators in that crowd that riled up the crowd to get the result that they wanted on January 6th. And we're going to keep covering this story, but it's absolutely crazy to me that that we live in a world where these types of crazy draconian sentences are being passed down to American citizens for simply protesting, mostly peaceful protest of an election. There's one reason and one reason only why this stuff is happening. While the, while these GOP is not really fighting back, media is not really. In fact, media is not only is the media not reporting any of this stuff; they're cheerleading these draconian sentences. But the Biden administration, a corrupt Biden administration, and the corrupt Department of Justice, they're trying to send a message to the American people: you're not allowed to to, to question elections ever again. And if you don't believe me. If you don't believe what's happening to the January 6th, look what they're doing to President Trump. I say every day on this show, do you think that when they're done with President Trump, they're going to stop at just him? Hell no, because they're already prosecuting people on January 6th. It's absolute disgrace. It's a human rights violation. And I'll tell you what, any Republican 
and I mean any Republican who is running for office for president, I mean, pardons need to be a central component to their agenda moving forward, because what's happening right now in this country is sickening. And speaking of the intelligence agencies, our alphabet agencies operating on American soil, um, I want to talk about how they operate on foreign soil before I get to that. When I was in Afghanistan, um, we worked pretty closely with spies, uh, CIA operators who functioned on the battlefield as a liaison between American troops and local nationals. And uh, helped us in targeting high-value targets. And three instances stand out in my mind. One time on the border, um, pickup truck drives up to our gate. One man gets out. He's in desert cam. He's in desert camo. No identifiers on his uniform at all. Right. Walks up to me as as the officer. It doesn't have any names on his uniform at all. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Tells me that his name is Chester and that he's in and around the area to surveil the enemy. Just there by himself in one of the most dangerous places on the face of the planet. And first of all, I'm like, sure. okay, yeah, your name is Chester. Right. (laughs) So we driving him around and he gets out of of our convoy. Now, keep in mind, we had an armored convoy of five gun trucks with crew served weapons on them, 20 American troops. The guy just gets out on the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan and just walks off into the wilderness. That was it. (laughs) Apparently he spent like a week out there crossing back and forth from Afghanistan to Pakistan and circled back and checked into an American outpost at Firebase Shkin, which was about 45, uh, a 45-minute drive south of us. Um, but again, right there on the border and, and directly east of Shkin was this place that we called the Alamo that was right like smack dab on the border uh, of Pakistan and, and co-located essentially with a town called Angorada. Uh, but this guy operated out there as a singleton operator for a week. Who the hell knows what he was doing? Um but certainly accomplished his mission and checked back in with American forces at Firebase Skin. That was the first one. The second one is we had a, a what you call, there are two sides of operations, of, of intelligence operations and special forces operators on the battlefield. You have on the white side, uh, in other words, special forces teams that the military tracks on paper as, as, as part of what they call their TO&E, their table of organization and equipment. And those are just traditional special forces team or Delta Force operators or SEALs or things like that. And then you have the black side, which are off the books. And oftentimes these people are singleton operators. We had a guy come down to our base. He was a, he was a 05, a lieutenant colonel. Um, he was a singleton he was a singleton operator on the border to assess what was going on in Afghanistan. Now, while we were there, things were things were so bad. I mean, so bad and so vicious. And we're talking getting in direct fire engagements with the enemy every single day. Heavy, heavy enemy forces. And maybe every single time we left the wire, uh, we were outnumbered significantly to the point where we would have to have at, at the worst of it, something like 10 gun trucks and 40 troops. We'd have to have Apache helicopters overhead just to secure the route. I mean, it was it was crazy. And I think what ended up happening is that um, this black ops special forces operator, again, who was an 05 lieutenant colonel, um, was sent down there on behalf of our commanding general in Afghanistan and just to assess the situation. I think that there was there was a time uh, a time and a place where maybe our command, 
our higher higher ups didn't realize how bad the situation had gotten. Like maybe they didn't believe our situation reports. Uh, maybe they didn't believe our troops and contact reports. They, I think that our, the, the commanding general just wanted to get an eye on the situation uh, just with one of his one of his operators. So I, he sent this colonel down and we took this guy out. And I mean, we got ambushed so badly. We got trapped in the kill zone of a two kilometer ambush. We had to push through the kill zone, consolidate, reorganize, assault through the enemy. We got hit with a feint. And this this spy who was there with us the whole time never trained with us, but was just on point the entire time. I mean, he was he was absolutely fantastic. Helped us call in for call in for air support. He was just just fantastic in every way shape or form on the battlefield i mean these guys they're singleton operators for a reason they go out solo now this is i'm telling you this this happens we work with these guys um the last instance i'll tell you about is we had a uh cia or some sort of special operation they never really tell you what organization they call them themselves oga other governmental organizations they come in they came in commandeered our tactical operations center threw up black curtains in the talk we weren't even allowed to go in our own tactical operations center um, they were running operations out of our tactical operations center for about 12 hours in the middle of the night, uh, laid waste to a bunch of enemy camps, took the black curtains down and flew off in their Chinook. And that was that. And we didn't really know what Intel they had, what they were doing, but this is just how our intelligence agencies operate on the battlefield. I've worked directly with them and, and, and there's something about working with them, hearing how they talk, watch how they carry themselves, um, listen to how they talk on the radio, the way that their minds work in terms of planning operations. Now, if you're a clandestine service operations officer or you're an operate a clandestine ser- or you're an operations officer for the CIA and in in Afghanistan, I mean, you could do a litany of different things, anything from kinetic operations or direct engagements with the enemy, engaging with uh, local nationals, high value uh, p- to track down high value targets, or even engaging with, you know, government agencies of other countries that were in to foment any sort of insurrection or rebellion or regime change. Like I've heard these guys talk about this stuff. I've heard these guys talk about what they do. In fact, it almost all came to a boiling point in January of 2007, two days before we were supposed to go home. Um, we were on the border. We had built not many of these stories. I don't really talk about it. I, I haven't really talked about a lot of these stories publicly. You can read them in, in my book, Outlaw Platoon. I, I talk about this scenario. I mean, Outlaw Platoon's out in 10 countries. So yes, I guess I have talked about it. It's in my book, but um, we built America's very first, my platoon, along with actually my infantry company, my unit built um, America's very first combat outpost in Afghanistan. And it was built in a really terrible area. Uh, long story short, we got attacked with 24 people on the ground. We got attacked before the base was even complete. Um, but prior to the enemy, just before they kicked out, off their attack on us, um, I mean, we absolutely laid weight. We we tracked them. We dropped about two thousand pounds of of one hundred five millimeter artillery on them. Three two thousand pl- pound plus JDAMs, and we ended up killing every single one of them before they even got to our base. Um, which, if you think about the, the subsequent deployments after Afghanistan, after I left in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, instances of American platoons being overrun on the border almost happened every year after that because these combat outposts just presented huge targets of opportunity for the enemy. So we get to the we get to 
the objective to do it was called a sensitive site exploitation just to get a do or battle damage assessment to see what's going on. And we found very quickly that most of the soldiers who these enemy soldiers who were killed on the battlefield, and this was not typical, were I mean, their their equipment was in many cases better than ours. They had um, Iranian made uh, AK-47s and PKMs, machine guns with Iranian serial numbers on them, fresh off the Iranian assembly line. Okay. Um, so th- we had direct evidence on the battlefield at that time of Iran funding the enemy, funding our enemy in Afghanistan. They had Merrill combat boots, they had helmets, they had body armor on equipment that was just as good as ours. And in the pockets of many of these guys were what well, Pakistani military ID cards. Um, of pack mill frontier corps ID cards, which meant that they were part of some sort of organized Pakistani military. I mean, this was a huge deal. That Pakistan was supposed to be our ally. We sent this information up. The chain of command never heard anything about it again. Two days later, we were extended in Afghanistan for four months until mission complete, while simultaneously the surge in Iraq happened. And no one in America was ever the wiser. This, this, this stuff was never reported. And there, this is how I'm transitioning to where we are today with our intelligence agencies intertwined with the media, because it's, there are two, there are two parts to this conversation where you have uh, stories that the intelligence agencies are, are giving to the American media and the American media is then reporting those stories out to the masses and the American people are believing them and their misinformation or their propaganda or intelligence agencies quashing information like what happened on the battlefield uh, in January 2007. Rather than reporting that, hey, Pakistani military or at least Pak Mill Frontier Corps militia tried to attack American troops on the border, nothing, none of that, none of that was ever reported. And I think the reason for that was, is that Pakistan is our ally. We send them billions of dollars a year in aid. We send them billions of dollars. Uh, uh, we send them billions of dollars to secure and protect their nuclear arsenal there. If it, if it, if the American people learned that PACMIL troops a- attacked Americans, what would that look like in terms of support for the Afghan war? And I believe that that story should have been reported to the American people because look down the line at what happened in Afghanistan. Look at the disaster that unfolded in Afghanistan, in part because the American people weren't getting accurate information. And so public sentiment was never swayed. And because public sentiment was never swayed, we were stuck in Afghanistan and and, and also Iraq for way longer than what we should have been. And that in part is because the intelligence communities shape very carefully what we consume through our media in this country. And this is something that's been going on for a long time, but I've never seen it as bad as it is right now. And I want to draw your attention to um, this story in the the New York Post. It just came out today. Um, Ex-CIA agent who, who signed the spies who lie letter tried to hide Twitter job after after the the post, the New York Post covered the story. So listen to this. A former CIA agent who signed the October 2020 open letter that dismissed the New York Post bombshell reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop emails as Russian disinformation worked on policy enforcement at Twitter as recently as last year and did not disclose her role to Congress. So in other words, think about it like this. The spies who lie, if you look at that New York Post article, there's 
the New York Post published a bunch of pictures of the spies who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was was part of Russian Russian disinformation. This this spy, Nada Bakos, at the time that story came out, she was working at Twitter on policy enforcement. The same big tech company that suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story in the first place. So you see what I'm saying here, folks? The the intelligence agencies, not only do they craft very carefully the information that you see or you don't see, oftentimes the people that leave, they leave the CIA, they leave the FBI, they go work at big tech companies at Twitter or FBI or some of these other big tech companies to carefully craft what information you have access to on the internet. Everything that you see is carefully crafted. And this is why I say on this show, think for yourself. Believe me, our intelligence agencies are the best in the world. Some of the people that I work with are absolute heroes. They were heroes on the battlefield. They're damn good at what they do. But imagine if the, if the collective eye and power of our alphabet agencies were turned upon the American people for nefarious purposes. It's happening. Trust me. I'm not the only one that notices this. In fact, if you watch Dan Bongino's show, he's talked about this for a lot. Tucker Carlson just talked about it recently. He said the intel agencies have a big effect on what broadcast television, what you see on Facebook and Google as well. What did I just tell you? They've been doing this for a long time. Check out this first clip that I've got of Tucker Carlson talking about just that. You know, the, no one wants to hear it. and I'm sure most people won't believe it. But I can tell you, having lived it for many years, it's true. Uh, the intel agencies have a big effect on what is broadcast on television and what you see on Facebook and Google as well. I mean, they're all up and down Facebook and Google, as I'm sure you know. And, um, you know, there are a lot of anchors who, including people I know well and have worked with at different networks. I'm thinking of one in particular, a national security reporter, who was just a mouthpiece for the Pentagon and the CIA and is knowingly telling lies on their behalf. That's very, very common, very common. The national security reporter that he's talking about, I know, um, I don't want to speculate as to who he meant, but I know exactly what instance he's talking about. Do you remember during the Afghan surrender um, when that drone strike, first of all, the surrender in Afghanistan was obviously not going well. The Biden administration was on under enormous pressure to get our people out of Afghanistan. There was one negative story after the next. I mean, American sol- 13 American soldiers dead, just a tidal wave of human suffering at, at the gate of the airport, of people trying to escape. I mean, the military chain of command was absolute disaster. I mean, some of the officers on the ground were making it difficult. The Taliban were killing people on the way. It was just chaos. So the Biden administration conducts a, a drone strike on what they called at the time a suicide bomber, a van chalk filled, like filled to the brim with explosives. They said it was a, a bunch of enemy troops and suicide bombers. And the moment that they said that, I was I was right at the height of my Senate campaign. The moment that they said that, I thought, oh man, something does not feel right about this. Because the time it would take, now keep in mind, tens of thousands of people crammed around the airport trying to get out of Afghanistan. Mass, mass, the U.S. had just taken 13 casualties. They were on complete lockdown. Taliban had overwhelmed everything, surrounded the airport completely. They had set up roadblocks everywhere. It would have taken a ton of time 
to figure out because it's a drone strike, right? So it's not like American troops engaged this van on the ground and yet confirmed that, yes, indeed, I killed a, a terrorist. It was a drone strike. So we had nobody on the ground. We had no intelligence on the ground actually marking that target to ensure that it wasn't civilians. And so when they reported that it was a terrorist, I alarm bells went off for me. And I immediately and this this reporter that Tucker Carlson's talking about, I'm sure many of you can go back and look at look up who I'm talking about. She reported right away up. It was a group of suicide bombers, had tons of details. But really, all she was doing was report reporting Pentagon propaganda and talking points. And the only reason that I knew that something didn't add up is because I knew it would have taken a ton of time for Americans to figure out who they actually killed because they were all trapped in the airport trying to get out amongst all that chaos. There's no way they could have gotten there and reported who they killed in a battle damage assessment to their battalion commander, their brigade commander, to their commanding general in Afghanistan, all the way to the secretary of defense to where the White House is putting out this information. There's no way, no way. Turns out that we didn't kill a a, it was not a group of, it was not a group of terrorists. It was not suicide bombers. It was an Afghan family with small children. No one's been held accountable for that. No one's resigned for that. The journalists who reported that fake information, no accountability. Now, I mean, I guess you could say that she's just reporting what she believes to be true, but no one bothered to ask any follow-up questions. No one bothered to think critically and ask, oh, wait, this doesn't really make sense. They just reported what the government said, hook, line, and sinker. And check out this second Tucker Carlson clip and what he says about this. Check this out. And I can think of a number of people at CNN who I know for a fact are doing that exact thing. And so, I mean, they're reading government propaganda from the intel agencies knowingly. And I'm sure they've got some internal rationale that allows them to get up in the morning and face themselves despite having done something that dishonest. But I'm just telling you, bottom line, I know that is a, that is true. I'm not speculating at all. Um, and in particular on the national security stuff, there are very well-known national security reporters, and I'm thinking of one female national security reporter in particular, who just reads lies from the national security state. And it's wildly frustrating. So I just got done telling you that this happens all the time. It also happens in other ways. Think back to the 2020 election. I had brought a, an entire a swath of evidence that the numbers didn't add up to local media outlets. I asked them to report that stuff. All they did was take my complaints. Now, this is local media all in a different thing, but all they did was, was take my complaints and ask the Secretary of State here in Pennsylvania, hey, you know, what happened with this? And the Secretary of State basically reported, oh, everything was fine. And then the media reports, oh, everything is fine. So this is a real problem that our media here in this country, whether it's with in regards to elections or it's with actual foreign threats or issues of grave national security, they're just reporting government talking points and passing them on as fact. At what point did we go from actual real investigative reporting to where reporters, whether they're for local affiliates or they're national media reporters like Tucker's talking about, who just aren't questioning the narrative at all? This matters. This matters a lot because remember, we went to war under false pretenses in Iraq based on false intelligence given from 
our intelligence community, to the media, who then reported that stuff breathlessly that weapons of mass destruction were indeed in Iraq. That dragged us into war. The consequences of which I already talked about, but thousands dead, million, over a million Iraqis dead. We deposed Saddam Hussein, but in doing so, created a vacuum in Iraq to where Iran has certainly exploited, all because the intelligence community wanted a war in Iraq and pushed this bogus false intelligence on the media. The media didn't, didn't bother to ask any tough questions, and we ended up going to war. Or how about this? How about the how about the pipeline that we blew up, the Nord Stream pipeline? Now, the, there, I think Seymour Hirsch did an in-depth investigative report on this, good on him, that made it clear that the Biden administration destroyed the Nord Stream pipeline and in doing so conducted an act of industrial terrorism, the likes of which have not been seen. I mean, every European country is affected by this. Their energy costs have gone through the roof. We haven't even, they're not even in the wintertime yet. They're not even in the thick of it or in the worst of it yet. The Biden administration did that. They blamed it on Russia and everybody just parroted that BS. Oh, Russia did it. Russia did it. Russia did it. Why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? It doesn't make any sense. And so don't just remember that the, these intel agencies carefully cultivate what they want you to see and what they don't, which is why I encourage people to think for themselves. And they've been doing this stuff for a, a very, very long time. Um, I want to play for you this old video of a CIA operator talking about how they would plant stories in the media. They would basically give a bunch of true stories to American media influencers and plant one falsehood and weave a narrative around that. And it's oftentimes a falsehood that that journalist or that media outlet couldn't verify, but check this out. It'll blow your mind. Did you not when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to uh, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, uh, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually, the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would say our percentage of planning that kind of data was uh, 70 to 80 percent. Their percentage of planning that kind of data, 70 to 80 percent. And this gentleman goes on. Um, 
and talks about how they specifically, the CIA targeted journalists for misinformation. And again, this is propaganda that they are foisting on the American people to shape public sentiment about per- about different things. Now, I want you to keep in mind what's happening today, everything that happened with the 2020 election, everything that's happening with January 6th, everything that's happening with COVID. Just think, watch this. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News, uh, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the New York Times, uh, even Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine. Uh, we would Uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel, to socialize with them, and and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence by dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true. And then I would drop in uh, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across which might not be true. Uh, One piece of data, for instance, uh, that uh, we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should uh, be continued to, uh, should continue to get a great deal of aid. Uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of the ceasefire accord. That was printed in uh, the New Yorker magazine under the byline of Robert Chaplin, as indeed was a great deal of such information which, uh, which we tried to serve. They wanted to make it seem, the CIA wanted to make it seem to the public that the North Vietnamese were the chief violators of, of this treaty so that they continue to get aid. So the, so this is this is so fascinating to me and just again put it in context of the things that we're talking about today. The things that are going on today with Ukraine. I mean not only is the CIA feeding fake stories, true stories but also fake stories to hugely influential American media journalists, anchors, outlets. They're they're also shaping sentiment for people who vote in the House and the Senate. I mean how much of what we're seeing about the war in Ukraine is accurate? I, I don't know. I mean, and, and now things have gotten so bad that they're not even conducting these clandestine operations to talk to reporters. They're actually infiltrating newsrooms. These people are working, CIA, FBI, at Facebook, at Twitter, at Google. These people are behind the keyboards and censoring what you see as Americans, censoring the information that you get. Hell, like when it came to the Hunter Biden laptop, and when it came to declaring that Russian disinformation in October of 2020, you had four different CIA directors, four different CIA directors going on national TV lying to you. I mean, they don't even have to schmooze journalists behind the scene anymore. They're doing this right out in the open. And it's not just about, you know, wars. It's not just about 
policy that ultimately ends up hurting the American people because I believe a lack of transparency hurts us all. And I believe that the collective effort of our of our intelligence agencies should not be focused on the American people. Things like the Patriot Act are a disgrace, but they should be focused on our enemies overseas. I mean, these FISA warrants, what they did to President Trump and tapping his phone lines and spying on his campaign and declaring the Hunter Biden laptop, Russian disinformation and all the fake investigations with with that were created from Hillary Clinton. But he also Peter Strzok saying that, don't worry, Trump's not going to be elected. We have a backup plan. How the hell do you want me, someone who loves this country, who's also a conservative, how the hell am I supposed to take that? And think about that in the context of what just happened with this January 6th, with Joe Biggs on January 6th, sentenced to 17 years behind bars for shaking a fence. But Peter Strzok, along with many other high-ranking FBI officials, said, don't worry, even if Trump gets elected, we have an insurance plan. Peter Strzok is a contributor, some damn thing, on MSNBC or CNN now. No consequences for him whatsoever. In fact, that creepy little mouth breather actually got to go on Capitol Hill and rebuke Congress. No consequences at all for these people. There are two standards of justice in this country, and it's sickening. Do you remember when Chuck Schumer said this about President Trump? Roll the tape. Taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. Well, if you go after the intelligence community, <laughs> they have five ways from Sunday and getting back at you. What? This guy is the Senate Majority Leader. Works with our intelligence communities all the time. Trump campaigned as an outsider. Trump questioned the authority and the wisdom of these communities as part of his campaign in 2016, and certainly during his tenure as president. He said, well, obviously you guys haven't been perfect. Look at the failure. Look at, look at what happened in Iraq. Look at all the failures that we've had. I mean, your, your track record ain't great. The intelligence communities didn't like that. I mean, Trump was constantly going after the intelligence community in the military industrial complex and trying to hold those people accountable. All the generals that he would criticize after they left service and served on boards of Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, who would then saber rattle for never ending conflicts all around the world. Trump questioned them, too. And the intelligence community responded. They got directly involved in interfering with the election. Four CIA directors were on the television in October of 2020 saying the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. 51 spies lied and said the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Anyone who reported on that story, including the New York Post, completely banned. Anyone that tried to share that story on Twitter, even if it was in a direct message, suspended and banned. Why? Because the very intelligence community that was lying about the story itself, those people also worked at big tech. Those people also infiltrated newsrooms. They directly interfered with the election. 
So how much were they involved in, 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 in actually steering the election? How much were they involved in what happened on January 6th? These are, these are real questions that, frankly, nobody is asking except very few people on the right. I think Posobiec on the right has asked these questions and a few other people. But mainstream media outlets aren't asking this question. So why then? Flash forward to what's happening today. And, and don't forget all the, the the ridiculous persecution that President Trump endured when he was campaigning for president, coming down the escalator, spying on his campaign, the Mueller report, impeachment one, impeachment two, laptop from hell, January 6th committee, um, now indicted four times, trying to use the 14th Amendment to remove him from the ballot in critical swing states. Nothing like this. I've never seen anything like this happen in America. I mean... Think about what, what they've tried to do with They've tried to smear him. They've tried to destroy his family. Now they're trying to put him in jail for life. Now they're trying to, again, remove him from the ballot. None of that's working. Donald Trump is only getting more powerful. I mean, Bongino's been talking about this for a long time, about how he's afraid for, for President Trump's life. And by the way, you should be you should take Bongino he, graveyard seriously because the guy was a Secret Service agent. Tucker Carlson was talking about follow the natural course of events with Trump and how you know, these Democrats, the media, the intelligence community have slowly escalated things with President Trump and nothing has worked. He's just he's getting people. He's just getting more powerful. His platform's getting stronger. I mean. I'm worried about violence as well. I'm afraid for President Trump's life. So why are these intelligence? Why are all these intelligence communities, the media, these Democrats going after him the way that they are again? Look at this Washington Times article that I covered briefly yesterday. Recruiting is underway for Trump-like wrecking ball to shrink government work, government and fire federal workers. Donald Trump wants to fire up to 50,000 government employees. And look, like I'm all for shrinking the size of the federal government. And I, I don't like the idea of people losing their jobs. But there are people in our federal government that don't need to be there, that don't believe in the Constitution, that are radical leftist communists that have done everything they can to undermine this country, undermine the greatness of America and undermine Donald Trump as president, but also other presidents before him. There's another article that came out today in the Daily Mail. Uh, Trump went on Glenn Beck the other day. Trump threatens to lock up opponents you know, when, because because they're doing it to us. So these people are afraid that if Donald Trump wins the presidency again, they're going to be held accountable like never before. I mean, this is clear. But again, Donald Trump was not the dictator that they accused him to be. Donald Trump was the greatest peacetime president of my life. That's also a reason why the intelligence community didn't like him. Why Raytheon, lobbyists for Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, these generals on the board. It's also why those defense industrial complex companies didn't like them either. Because peace just isn't profitable. They make money off of war. Donald Trump was standing in the way of that. So they're hell-bent on getting rid of this guy. They're hell-bent on avoiding any sort of accountability. And if Donald Trump gets back in the White House, he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected again. And he will be a wrecking ball. You mark my words. I mean, check out this video um, from, I think it's from MSNBC on people talking about how Donald Trump has made it clear that he'll return to the, he'll, he'll, he'll turn the White House into a weapon, which is 
absolutely mind-boggling considering what Joe Biden and his lackeys in the Department of Justice and all the mouth-breathing special prosecutors and Soros-funded DAs and that, like, please talk about projection. Or again, remember the golden rule, anything the Democrats accuse us of, they themselves are guilty of, but roll this tape, it'll blow your mind. He wants to turn the United States government into a weapon. And he's telling us about the targets that he wants to go after if he wins the presidency again. Hell, he's even telling us what kind of ammunition he wants to use. He wants to use prosecutions against political rivals. He wants to use the spy powers. He wants to use regulations. He wants to use a Republican Congress. And every single moment that he's being held accountable by the justice system is going to be him saying, I should be doing this to them. And that's what's really, really scary about this is he's completely flipped the script about what justice means. And he said it himself. It's about retribution, not the rule of law. And he's replaced the rule of law with retribution. And Donald Trump has replaced the rule of law with retribution. I mean, these people, these people are the dumbest mouth breathers in the world. Look at what they're doing to President Trump for simply protesting an election, for simply exercising his First Amendment right. By the way, protesting elections, something that Democrats have done every single time they've lost. I mean, I think millions of people signed an online petition saying that that the Democrats should propose an alternate slate of electors after Hillary Clinton lost. I mean, I think Raskin tried to disenfranchise the entire state of Florida once. I mean, there have been Democrats who protested, I think it was, I think Ohio's 30 electoral votes in something like in the early 2000s. Democrats have protested the electors of every election that didn't go their way as long as I can remember yet. Not a single one of them are being prosecuted. Stacey Abrams denied her own election 35 times. Not a single one of them are ever being prosecuted. She's never been prosecuted at all. Donald Trump did the same thing. Whether you agree with him or not, clearly protesting elections and alternate slates of electors are something that falls clearly within the realm of First Amendment protection. The only reason why they're doing this it's because every day that goes by, Donald Trump just gets more and more powerful. And there's nothing that they can do to stop him. I want to talk quickly about uh, news that broke today about Biden corruption and how it is just next level out of this world. I'm telling you, folks, I'm not even sure. Things are going to get so bad. I'm not even sure this guy's going to be on the ballot. Uh, before I do that, I just want to thank both my sponsors, Deepwell, who is a founding sponsor of this program and an amazing American energy company who believes in American energy independence. They are patriots, one and all. They're hiring right now. So if you're looking for a job, go to their website, deepwellservices.com. They start out at 50 grand a year, stay there for five years. You get educated in the right way. You make 250 grand also want to thank Cabot Guns. They make the best 1911 pistols in the world, the best of the best shooters, real shooters pistol. You know, I am a big, big, big believer in the Second Amendment. I know you all are as well. Uh, but if you get the opportunity to go to Cabot Guns website, check out the stuff that they have, support that company because everything that they make, every gun that they manufacture, 100% made in America. They also are huge supporters of, of your Second Amendment right. Um, okay, back to the story here. Uh, Biden. Corruption is next level. No doubt in my mind, this creepy 
this creepy mouth breathing old man in cognitive decline. Really? How can that possibly be disputed? It's clearly, clearly will go down as the most corrupt president in history. There's a GOP congressman. Her name is Nancy May. She's on the House Oversight Committee. She's been working with James Comer at peeling back the onion on all of these ways that the Biden family crime syndicate, which is now international. I've talked about it before, about how they take they, this family has taken millions upon millions of dollars from countries who hate us. But the level at which, like from money laundering to bribe taking to setting up shell accounts and shell corporations, and it's just an international crime syndicate that would make Tony Soprano jealous. I've got three clips that I want to show you. We're going to move through them pretty quickly because it's just that important that you see um, that you see how deep this rabbit hole goes with Joe Biden. And just keep in mind, Joe Biden's not the one that they're holding accountable for any of this. Check out the first clip. The first thing that I want the American people to know is the amount of money in the alleged laundering and bribery scheme is astronomical. It is staggering. It is shocking. And it would blow your effing mind if you knew how much money we were talking about. Now, within those SARS documents as well, one of the consistent things that we saw is that the Biden family took a third cut of all the money as part of this money laundering scheme. We now know that every time Joe Biden has been asked questions about this, he has lied about it. We now know that Joe Biden uh, also used a number of pseudonyms. We find out yes, yesterday the National Archives now has 5,000 plus emails uh, that include Joe Biden's pseudonyms, um, you know, and he communicated with his son about his businesses. He was on uh, phone calls with his son's business partners talking about presumably the businesses and the outcomes and what they were trying to do, whatever schemes they were they were building out. Now, she's talking about Biden on the phone with Hunter Biden talking about these business dealings. I mean, Nancy Mace represents a purple district in South Carolina one. She does, she, she does not take political risks. If she thinks that what she's seeing is, you know, unbelievably bad, it's unbelievable. She's not throwing political punches at the Bidens. It's that bad. We're not even talking about taking bribes from foreign countries. She's talking about laundering money. And she goes on. Check this out. We now have Shokin in Ukraine who's saying that there was a bribery scheme with Biden. I mean, literally, Biden bragged about on Mike. We all know this several years ago, bragging about uh, how he was able to hold money over Ukraine's head, a billion dollars, until Shokin got fired. And he was only in there in that office for a year. Obama's administration and President Obama himself, like the guy, thought he was doing a good job, did not believe he was corrupt. Um, but we all know what happened after that. And so, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, but we have to prove it. And I'm telling you, it is disgusting. It'll go down as the most, he will go down as the most corrupt president in the United States of America. The most corrupt president in the United States of America. And I know that Nancy Mace and James Comer and some of the members of the Republicans in the House are trying to be as thorough as humanly possible at putting on a case here. But at some point, something's got to give. You know, Democrats are consolidating power, consolidating authority, trying to put President Trump in jail for the rest of his life. They're sent sentencing January Sixers uh, who shake fences to in to, for prison federal prison sentences of 17 years. 
Joe Biden and his family, our commander in chief, who is no doubt a foreign agent, no doubt, 100 percent like more information is going to come out on this. But this guy is a wholly owned subsidiary of the communist Chinese, of oligarchs in Ukraine, of of corrupt power brokers in Russia. Uh, keep in mind, these Dems and their media and, and their allies in the media all said that Trump was a foreign agent and an agent of Putin his entire presidency. But really, it's Joe Biden that's the one that's been doing this stuff. Check out what Nancy Mace says. She goes on. And just it'll blow your mind. Check us out. They had layering. Layering is when you're in a racketeering scheme or a money laundering scheme, you create a bunch of LLCs. Money is shifted around. I want to know, I want to talk to the bookkeeper because this is a very complicated web of accounts and banking records. There's a reason why it was created in such a confusing and complicated manner because they were trying to hide the source of the funds and where the funds ultimately ended up. The money is in the accounts of Joe Biden's brother, his son. There are wives, ex-wives, there are grandchildren. Like why does a very young grandchild have any reason to have almost seven figures in money from communist China in a bank account? Like that is not a thing. That child was not a foreign agent. Neither was Hunter Biden or James Biden. And so what we see is a lot of layering, a lot of bank accounts, a lot of complicated financial transactions to hide the money and where it's going. And we also know, by the way, one of the SARS reports related to a prostitution ring. And as you know, John, I was called uh, a conspiracy theorist for talking about it. But come to find out a few weeks ago, the IRS whistleblowers confirmed the existence of that prostitution ring because Hunter Biden was writing it off on his taxes. I mean, really effing unbelievable. Um, and then I had to deal with Russian hookers, primarily, um, about 28 of them. Remember when the media said that Trump had a, a, was in, involved with a bunch of Russian hookers? It wasn't Trump. It was the Bidens. I mean, think about what she said. She said a grandchild, a child, seven figures from the communist Chinese and a grandchild's bank account. What the hell is going on in America right now? I've said it before and I'll say it again. We stand on the brink in this country, on a very thin line between hope and darkness. And the Biden administration is hell-bent on plunging us headlong into that darkness. These aren't good people, folks. These are terrible, evil people who are running our country right now. I mean, and I want to I put this in, we'll end with this. So much of, of what we talked about today was the intelligence community and how their collective power is now focused inward. They're, they've infiltrated big tech. They've infiltrated American media newsrooms. You have actual CIA directors going on the media, pushing misinformation and lies. If you think that the communist Chinese, of course, the communist Chinese have compromising information on Hunter Biden and the Biden family. Of course, Russia has this intelligence. Of course, Ukraine has this intelligence. Everybody has the information that's on Hunter Biden's laptop, which compromises the entire Biden family, the Biden crime family. Now, if you think that our foreign adversaries have that, you can bet that American intelligence agencies, alphabet agencies here in this country have that comprom compromising information on Joe Biden as well. And do you think that they might try to use that or leverage that to things that are in the best interest of the military industrial complex, maybe like war in Ukraine, 
maybe like for wars that go on forever? You think that the intelligence, our intelligence community would exploit that information if they had, you know, information that could push the American commander in chief in one direction or the other? Of course they would. They've always done that. This is how our intelligence community operates. And they are damn good at what they do. Folks, think for yourself. Read the stories. Think critically. Everything is on the line here. I mean, we can't afford to lose 2024. Stay involved. Stay in the fight. Stay in the trenches here with me. Tell your friends about this show. We need them in the trenches with us. I mean, this is the reason why this show and we're doing the live stream. I mean, we're growing every single day. And I think the reason for that is, is that people are tired of the BS. They're tired of the lies. So they come here. You know, we get in the trenches together. We put our helmets on and we fight for this country. Tell your friends, tell your families to join this movement. We need their help. You know, we're going to be rolling out a newsletter. I finally got uh, my email, my all of my emails back. Um, we'll be rolling out email newsletters to tens of thousands of people, uh, all new members of of Parnell's platoon. They'll be in the trenches with us. Don't forget, please don't forget that to, to like this video, rumble on this video, uh, subscribe to this page. It's completely free. And we're going to do everything that we can to improve. I was talking in the live chat before the show. And as always, if you're watching the show at the very end, I will try to get on that live chat, you know, an hour before every show so I can talk and engage with you. Um, but we will work our butts off to make this show better for you and make it flow better every day. We're only in the third week here, but we're blessed to have you. Um, OfficialSeanParnell.com for all the Battleground Apparel merch. Never quit, never surrender. God bless you all, and God bless this amazing country that we live in. Take care and think for yourself. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.